Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. A great welcome to you if you've just uh, downloaded this from iTunes or from, from the website. Hope you feel at home listening to us at home. I, um, I would like to take a moment to think about those very first Christians, the very first church, the very first uh, believers who were driven, motivated, you know, full of passion regarding a message that they had. And I want to uh, just bring something of that message to us today. That's really the job of all preachers, to bring the original message across the years into the current generation. And, and their message was uh, that God was good, that God was loving, that God uh, was angry with sin, but that Christ had died for people, that Jesus had laid down his life in order that people could be forgiven, And if people would put their faith in him, they also could be forgiven of their many sins. But there was one part of their message that was was very central to them and at times has become less central to us today. And that part of the message, which I want to share with you this morning, is this, that Jesus... Is going to come again. He's going to come again. And as these first disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and preached everywhere, there was something about their preaching and their mission and their church life that occasionally I'm not sure we have in our churches today. And it's this. They were in a hurry. (laughs) Because Jesus said to them, I am going to go away and I'm going to come back to you. And there was an absolute expectation in the life of the early church as they met together In all the cities that you can see in your New Testament there, the cities of Galatia, Corinth, Rome, Philippi, Colossae, all the places you see in your Bible, as they all met together, Ephesus, there was an expectation as they met together that this could be the last time we're ever going to meet. This could be the last time we're ever going to worship together. We're about to go out and preach in the city of Philippi today. Anyone want to come? Yes, I'll come. Yes, will you come? Yeah, we're going to go and preach in Philippi today. We're going to go out into the center of Corinth and preach. We're going to go and sit in the the pagan temple there, the Greek temple. We're going to share with people over a meal about Jesus. But as they did it, they had an expectation that there was just a chance A very real living chance that this would be the last time they ever would. 
Because Jesus was going to return at any time. My purpose, just for these next few minutes before we wrap up this morning, is just by the Holy Spirit just to pour maybe back into our DNA as a church. That same sense that we might not even do a wow walk next week. Because the Lord might come between now and then. And I know some of you ladies thinking, well, I've got a load of sponsors. uh, I've been practicing for this. (laughs) Phil says, well, I went out and got some burger. Not that Phil talks like that. No, indeed, not that the ladies do. But Jesus is going to come again. Can you say amen? And I think that perhaps I and you and we, we need to just pour this back a little bit more into our lives. Not that we uh, don't pay our bills, you know. Not that we don't look after ourselves. Not that we don't plan for the future. Not that we don't save money. Not that we don't think about, you know, inheritances for our kids. I'm not talking about that, that kind of thing. But just that sense that this life might not be as long as we think. That this world might not have as long as it thinks it has. I was reading in the prophets just last week a prophecy in Isaiah that Damascus is destroyed. Do you know what? Damascus has never been destroyed. But right in Isaiah it tells us Damascus will be completely destroyed. And as I see the saber rattling regarding Syria, who knows what could transpire in these days. You might not live till a hundred at all. You might not live till 40. You might not live out your life. Because Jesus might come before the end of your lifespan. The early disciples certainly thought it. Even Paul, when he writes in 1 Thessalonians, he's talking about the coming of the Lord. And he says something. You know when you hear somebody say something, you've caught them off guard. They've accidentally revealed Something without necessarily meaning to. But when he writes to them in Thessalonica, he says this. You know, on the day of the Lord is going to come and this is what's going to happen. The dead in Christ will rise first, he says. And then we who are alive will be caught up together with them. Do you see the little mistake he made there? We. He thought he would be among them. And in fact, Bible students know that it took a few years for the disciples to write down the words of Jesus. They were used to reciting them, memorizing them, sharing. But it took a few years for them to write down the words of Jesus because Jesus hadn't told them to go out and write books. He told them to go and preach because he was coming soon. And I wonder how it would change our lives how, how would it change my life if I really believed with my heart, not just with my head, that Jesus was going to return much sooner than I thought? What would that do to me? John Wesley was once asked this question. He was a famous Methodist preacher, a famous Anglican preacher who started Methodism. John Wesley was once asked this. 
If you knew that Jesus was returning tomorrow, what would you do today? And John Wesley said this, I would do exactly what I planned to do. But I suspect that's not true of me. And I suspect that might not be true of you. John Wesley was saying, look, I'm already living in the expectation that he might come. So I plan my life a bit like that. That I am about the king's business. And we need to ask ourselves this question. When he comes, for he's coming soon. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to ask you, what will you be doing? Where will you be? Who will you be with? Most important of all, what will your God be? I'm not talking about what religion you're attached to or what church you are affiliated to. But what will your God be on that day when he comes? The God of leisure, the God of entertainment, the God of relationships, the God of money. What will your God be on the day that he comes? Because on the day that he comes, every other God, every other idol in our lives will suddenly be shown to be absolutely what they are all the time anyway, utterly worthless. Utterly worthless. When he comes, will you be somewhere working for the Lord? Will you be about the king's business? This is what so impacted these first Christians. It wasn't just the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Important though that was. It wasn't just the fact that they had met with the resurrected Jesus. Although I believe that was a huge factor in changing them between Easter and the day of Pentecost. But there was a third component that you and I must have in our hearts if we're going to change this world And the component is this, that the world ain't going to go on too much longer. So we have to get going. We have to get busy. Years ago, I was doing an exam. Years and years ago, I must have been 15. And I was in the exam, and you know you get allotted a certain amount of time. And I'm sat there, writing away. And I, I looked at the exam paper, answered two, you know, of these uh, questions, little essays. So, right. I don't, by the way, I don't know whether I, I can even do this today. I'm so used to typing. I don't know whether I can write anymore. So all that. Did you used to do this with your hand? Ooh. And you're writing away. But I remember thinking, you know what? I'd, actually, I'm doing all right with these. I, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty well. And I don't know whether they did this in your school and what different nations we have represented here, but in the UK, what would happen is you'd be there writing your exam. And they would have something called an invigilator. And I, I don't know, I, I don't even know how to spell that word, but the, and it's the only place you'd ever use the word. I'm an invigilator. You're an invigilator. 
And what they used to do, they just used to walk around all the time like this. They used to do that in your school. You know, walking around and like, you know, looking over the shoulder. And every now and then they had the great pleasure of doing what they, I'm sure they, and if I was an invigilator, this is the bit I would love to. This bit. You've got two hours left. Right? You've got one hour left. You know, they might as well add. Anyway, I remember one particular exam. Well, I finished in good time. And it made me a bit nervous, actually. But then I just thought, well, I just must be just so much cleverer than everyone here. And I finished it in really good time. Oh, there's a couple of people over there who gave up after five minutes and they're just dreaming of the day when Facebook will appear. This is the 1980s we're talking about. Um, and I remember looking at my paper and I'd done the two essays of the questions. And uh, I, I kept checking it and it seemed all right and I thought I'd answer them as well as I could was doing a grammar check, you know, spelling check, all this sort of thing. And you've got one hour left. I thought, one hour left? What do I do now? You know, and I, I thought, well, it's fine. But everyone else around me seemed a bit stressed. And I thought, well, I just have a superior Cavana intelligence. And then, you know where this story's going, don't you? Do you know where it's going? I thought to myself, well, I'll just, you know, see how it's going. And there's like, you know, 25 minutes to go and 20 minutes to go. And I'm just looking at the paper and I just thought, I'll just, you know, I'll just look on the other side. Ah! Answer two more. <laughs> Superior Cavana intelligence. No, no, no. The is looking at me. You've got 20 minutes left. <laughs> and so I called upon whatever reserves for me. Because of course I know. And I don't know whether it's changed now, but in those days, once you did the exam, that was it, honey. He didn't come back next year. And I know that when that invigilator says, time's up, that's it. And whatever I've written, that's it. I don't get to do it again. I don't get to do it again. And the more I'm aware that I'm against the clock, the harder I work, the faster I do it, I've got to get on with it. There's not time to look around the window. Look out the window. Look at other people. Think about what's on TV. I've got to do it. And I've got to do it now. Because the exam is going to be handed in very, very soon. The Bible says in the first epistle of John, it says this. This is the last hour. 1 John chapter 2. Dear children, this is the last hour. And that's amazing. Because that was 2,000 years ago. So what can we say today about the last hour? 
Are we in the last hour? Yes. But perhaps now we're in the last 10 minutes. Perhaps now we need to take a stock of our lives, turn the paper over, sweetheart, and look and see how much more there is potential in your life. All that God has given us to do. I think we need to turn the paper over and see, wow, is this what God has for me to do? How much time have I got left? The problem is, Jesus said, of his time is coming, no man knows the hour. And so we just have to take his word for it soon. He says, I come soon. He also says, I come quickly. And when he comes, where will you be? Where will I be? What will we be doing? And most important of all, what God will we be serving? I'm not talking about what church we're going to or not going to. I'm not talking about whether we speak in tongues or sing songs. What God will you and I be serving on the day that he comes? And will we think to ourselves, oh my, oh my, I poured myself into a God that is worthless. When he comes, you can't take your car. When he comes, you can't take your house. When he comes, you can't take your money with you. Thank God you can send it on ahead of you. But you can't take it with you. You can't take your career with you. You can't take your DVD collection with you. When he comes, everything will be left behind. I have, a, I have a friend, a sort of a friend, who was caught in one of the uh, American hurricanes. I think it was Katrina, which is going back now 18 months ago, isn't it? Or a bit longer. Time flies, I know. And in that day, everything he owned was uh, destroyed, everything. His apartment was flooded. Every, every, everything he loved was destroyed. And I think we, and, and I feel terrible, you know, for him. And he's rebuilding his life, thank God. But, but when Jesus comes, it's going to be a bit like that. Everything that we think is important won't be important. You get it. It'll be left behind. Everything that we poured ourselves into. Unless it's his kingdom. It's not going to be of any great value to us then. Let's read the scripture. Matthew chapter 24. And if I do no more this morning than read this scripture, then we would have had a good time. Matthew 24 verse 1. You with me? Jesus left the temple and was walking away. I love these little details in the Bible. He was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. The buildings of the temple. 
Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Just look at me a moment. They, they're walking next to the temple. The thing that they thought was going to last forever. And some of us think our careers and our money and our everything is going to last forever. It's not. And Jesus, begin, he's about to talk about the end. And he begins this discourse concerning the end of everything. By beginning with the very temple itself. And I wonder whether, listen to me, listen to me now. I wonder whether he begins by telling them about the destruction of the temple to highlight to them that even the thing they thought God cared about was going to be knocked down. We love this building, don't we, eh? You love this building? It will be destroyed. Because it doesn't matter. All that matters are the living stones. And Jesus says, you see these stones here? Everyone will be thrown down. Not one will be left, he says. And that's amazing. Because in 70 AD, that building was set ablaze. And the stones that contained gold were scavenged. I don't know whether you knew that. And the words that Jesus said that day about the temple were fulfilled totally literally. Because the buildings to which he referred were destroyed by the Romans. The general Titus came in, first 66 AD, then 70 AD. The place was burnt and gold rocks had fallen. And of course, what do you do when you see gold? Gold! There was a gold rush. And every stone was taken away. Exactly what Jesus said would happen. So even the things that we think God cares about. When Jesus comes. Maybe they're not as precious to God as we thought. Verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said. When will this happen? That's a really good question, isn't it? When? When's it going to happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? If you're doing my Understanding the Bible course, please note, they ask him three questions and he's going to give them three answers. But more about that another time. When is this going to happen? And what will be the sign that it is about to occur? Jesus answered, watch out, verse 4, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So his first answer is, how will you know what's going to happen? How will you know when I'm going to come? First of all, he tells them there's going to be plenty of false uh, comings. 
is his first answer. Many are going to come claiming that they're the next big thing. And we've, we've seen that over the last 2,000 years. Prophets that have been come out of new religions, new ideas, new philosophies, and have said to sometimes whole generations and whole cultures, follow me, not Jesus. So that's the first thing he says. How will you know? When are you going to come? That's their question. How are we going to know the time? And his answer, first answer, let me explain. First of all, there are going to be plenty of false Christs. The Bible speaks of anti-Christ in the epistle of John. Now just explain that the word anti doesn't mean in opposition. It means to stand in the place of. Fake. A fake five pound note. A fake ten pound note is a, in this idea here, and it is an anti-note. It's not in opposition to Christ, because the Antichrist will be in opposition to Christ. But that's not, that's not fundamentally what it is. It's someone who stands in the place of Christ. And John, in fact, says, there are many Antichrists. There's not just one straight out the Omen film with a funny tattoo and a, and a do, 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 you know, music everywhere he goes. There are many Antichrists. People who have stood in the place of Christ. So that's his first answer. The second answer. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. As we stand here today in September 2013, we are hearing of rumors of wars. And for thousands of years, this has been the case, of course. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. That's fascinating. Let me just unpack. Am I okay just unpacking some of this for you? What's amazing is Jesus says the world was not going to end in a war. That's what he's saying. The world will not end with a war. He says, you're going to hear of wars and you're going to think, this is the end. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The world will not end with a war. The world will end with my coming. Not with a war. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. But this world will not, I think most people, you sit them down and you say, how do you think the world is going to end? And everyone says, oh, some maniac will press a, will press a nuclear button or a chemical button or an atom bomb. And maybe some maniac will press a button. But that will not end the world. Jesus said, you're going to hear of wars. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be military stuff. But this world, says Jesus, will not end in a big war. It's going to end when the Son of Man comes. That's a, that's a real distinction in the way people think today. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We've seen that. There will be earthquakes, famines in various places. We've seen that, of course. All these are the beginning 
of birth pains. Jesus uses this illustration, and as a man, I'm not fully acquainted with this. But a woman knows when she's pregnant, and then a woman knows, ooh, it's the best impression I can do, fellas. I, you know, ooh, is that how it goes? Anyway, just, just, you know, humor me. Ooh, this will end up on YouTube by the end of the day, I know. Ooh, think I'm having a baby, love. <laughs> oh, I felt that. Oh, the contraction. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. And nations, warring against nations and terrible earthquakes. We need to, of course, pray about all these things. And the famines. They are not the end of the world. But they are the beginnings of the end. The birth pangs, the birth pains of a pregnant woman that says something. We're getting near to the time when the baby is going to come. And just like a mum rushing down to Annan Brooks, Ooh, I'm having my baby. The doctor says, go home. Come back tomorrow. Hmm. I was rather hoping we could have it now, really. Uh, can't I just hang around in the waiting room half hour till it gets more? I know all about this, girls. I'll tell you, I'm out here on faith now, guys. This, this, this is what I picked up over the years, you know. Go home. You're not having your baby. And that's, what's, that's, that's what it is. Right now. There could be a big conflict in the Middle East, but it's not the end. It might be another birth pain, but it's not the end. All these are the beginnings. Because he's answering their question. Lord, when's it going to be? What will the signs be? You see, that's their question, and this is his answer. What will the signs be? And he answers them in this these sweeping phrases. He doesn't say, well, in 1972, and then in 1981, and then this. A book came out a, a number of years ago. 99 reasons why Jesus will return in 1999. I don't think it sold all that well recently. That's funny, isn't it? I think it might have gone out of print, don't you? Jesus says, I, I'm not giving you the answer. You, you're not going to get a date. But I can give you some, some signs. Conflict, war, famine, earthquake. Verse 9. This is the bit we don't like much. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted. Normally, when the Bible uses the phrase handed over, it means betrayed. Jesus handed over, sorry, Judas handed over Jesus. He handed him over. It's, a, it's an expression, normally meaning betrayed by a friend or, or betrayed by a close colleague. So he says, verse, verse 9, you're going to be betrayed and you'll be handed over to be persecuted. Can I just point out, by the way, whatever you believe about the end times, he, he doesn't say that you will have gone. Hello? Thy kingdom come. 
not thy kingdom go. Yes. He doesn't say you will have gone and disappeared. He doesn't say you'll be running around the block and suddenly you're gone. And all that's left are your shoes. That's not what he says. That's not how he describes it. Oh, where's John gone? Oh, he's, he went out for a run and there's been a rapture. No, if John's disappeared, he's probably down, he's, he's probably down the boozer, but he ain't in heaven. You'll be handed over, he says, and you'll be put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. We want to believe that God will bring a great revival into our world. But these things also are utterly and eternally true. That right up until the day of his coming, we will be hated by all nations. There isn't going to come a day when we're going to win over the media. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's just get used to that. There's not going to be a day. There's going to be some great godly leaders. There might even be Christian and godly prime ministers and presidents. There might even be people in the House of Congress and people in Parliament who will campaign for godly laws and change the laws so they're more in line with the Word of God. These things may occur, and may they occur, in Jesus' name. May they occur. Only last week or the week before, I wrote to our MP here in Cambridge, on my behalf and on your behalf, urging him to make godly decisions in the house. This is a good thing to do. But, despite all that, right up until the end, you'll be hated because of me. If you're not ready for that, you're not ready to be his disciple. That's what he says, isn't it? So this thing about you want to be a cool Christian, I'm afraid it's not an option on the form. And if you want to be a cool Christian, the only people you're going to be cool with are other Christians that aren't really living for God. (laughs) So the only people you impress by being a slightly ungodly Christian are other ungodly Christians. And that's not what we would advocate here. It's not ever going to be cool to be a follower of Jesus. It's not ever going to be cool. He says you're going to be hated because of me. He wasn't trying to win them you know, into some party here. He wasn't throwing in a free Parker pen just for inquiring. He wasn't giving them an alarm clock if they joined up today. He was telling them what was going to happen. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. You with me in verse 10? Yeah. And will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. What we see Jesus building as, remember he's answering the question. 
What will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign that these things we're talking about are going, are about to take place? And he says to them, okay, here they are. False Christs. People standing in the place of Christ. New religions, different ideas. People wanting to bring a new way to God. We've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those. The earthquakes, the famines, the wars, the conflicts that will occur. You say to me, well, there have always been earthquakes and famines. There haven't been the earthquakes that we're seeing today ever in the history of the world. As, as far as records, um, until, uh, you know, until records began. So you get the increase of these things. And then he says, and then there'll be trouble in the church. People will betray each other. It's going to get tougher. That's why we've got to stand for Jesus now. It's tough to serve God. You need to get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you big time. It's not a joke. And not only that, but the heavenly uh, invigilator is walking across our hearts even here this morning. You've got half an hour left. And even if, even if we do live out a full set of years, let's say everyone in this room lives to 100, even if that were the case, that's not very long, is it, to serve the Lord? So whether he comes or whether we go by the grave, actually, we are against the clock. He says you're going to be handed over. But this one sign, This one sign, he says, almost the sign above every other sign. He says, this is going to happen, but that's not the end. This is going to happen, but that's not the end. But then he comes to the end here of this discourse. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. As a testimony to all nations. And then. The end. Will come. Just pick it up in verse 26. He says. How are you going to know that I'm going to come? He says. Because the gospel will be preached to all the nations. When the gospel is being preached to all the nations. You know. That we're getting very near. Midday or midnight. Getting very near the 12 o'clock as we reach more people, as we share the good news, as we send out missionaries all around the world, as internet reaches places that before now weren't able to be reached. We move nearer to the day of his coming. Then he says, picking up in verse 26, he's warned them that there will be Lots of false starts, lots of false prophets, fake Christs, Justin Bieber, etc. Verse 26. So if anyone tells you, there he is in the desert, do not go out. If someone says to you, look, there's some guy out someplace, says he's Jesus returned. Nah. No, 
if they say there he is in the inner rooms. You know, he's not out in the desert, but he's in a secret location. No. No, that's not Jesus. Don't believe it. Verse 27. For as lightning. Watch this now. This is the verse. Verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. He's going to appear in the sky. Not sky news, the sky. Remember that? The sky. As far as lightning can be seen, you know, across the world. So will his coming be. Everyone's going to know. It's the return of the king. He's come. He's not out in the desert. He's not in a TV studio. He's not in a theater. He's not going to be born in a hospital and grow up. He's going to come on the clouds of heaven. Say, wow, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The Old Testament picked up in the New. It says, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Everyone will see. And he will send his angels out to collect the people of God. Verse 30, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Not on sky. It's not some, oh look, the Greek says on sky. No, in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. People talk about a rapture, people, you know, taking off, going into the sky. Now we find out how it's done. The angels will carry us there. Jesus will not give us the gift of Superman. Oh, flying. Actually, angels will come and gather us. I believe angels come to God's people to take them into God's presence all the time all the time I believe that when I die as I'm lying in a bed if Jesus shouldn't come suddenly an angel will appear behind Jane and I'll know okay here we go the Bible says regarding the rich man and Lazarus it says the angels came to take Lazarus to the presence of the Lord I believe angels come to take us into the presence of the Lord. So if you're sitting here, I love it when people say, oh, praise God. I was in the meeting and I saw an angel on the platform. I think, oh dear. Any particular hymns you'd like? But here, the people have not died. But he sends his angels out to get them. We who are alive, said Paul, will be caught up together with them. To meet the Lord in the air. Let's finish by reading this, verse 32. Now learn this lesson. 
from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer's near. Some of you love plants, don't you, and trees? Outside our flat in Cambridge, we have a big tree. And during the year, it changes color. Sometimes the leaves are there, sometimes they're not. Jane's trying to educate me. She's going, now look, you see that? Oh, yeah. He said, now I want you to, Jesus said, I want you to learn a lesson. You know that a tree, the twigs get tender and the leaves come out. He said, you know that when that happens, you know summer's near. You don't need a, a diary. You know, these were in the day, people didn't have Google Calendar, did they? They knew what season it was. Not because the X Factor was back on TV or because they had iCal. They knew what time of the year it was by looking at the trees. Or one of the many ways they knew. So he says this, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near. Right at the door. I tell you the truth. How many of you believe that Jesus tells the truth? Raise your hand. I tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Just to explain. He doesn't mean the generation listening to him then. He means the generation that sees these things happen. That will be the last one. He doesn't mean the people living in 30 AD. He means the gener- this generation. See, this generation. The generation that sees the change of the tree. That generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. King's College Chapel will be destroyed. Big Ben will have a lie down. The Taj Mahal will be in pieces. Do you understand? Everything. Everything's going to pass away. Heaven, the, the very sky he's talking about there. It's going to pass away. And the earth will pass away. But the things he said about this, they're never going to pass away. I wonder, I want to ask you today. I wonder if we began to live a bit more like this. Now, I'm not talking about everyone going around with a chart. An eschatology chart, the end times. Look at this chart. I'm not talking about working out the date. I'm not talking about writing a book, 14 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 2014. And if you're going to write that, you better write it quickly. If anything, give yourself some time and write 2016. I'm not talking about working it all out. But I'm talking about my life and your life. We haven't got long. This is not a dress rehearsal. We're on now. And anything we need to write on that bit of paper... We need to be thinking about it and writing it.
He's coming. His reward is with him. And he will give to each person according to what they have done. Not what they plan to do. Not what they thought they might do. Not what they were considering doing, but what they've done. Jesus goes on to talk about giving a child a cup of water in his name. We're not talking about everyone being Reinhard Bonnke. But whatever God has given for you to do, do it! Big, small, grand, seemingly insignificant. Do it! Phil read earlier from Hebrews, speaking of Jesus, I have come to do your will, O God. I promise you that the things that we love so much will just seem like nonsense in his presence. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.